BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, an unlikely hero becomes an internet sensation. Did everyone miss that this goofy drifter was actually dangerous? We'll talk about the Netflix documentary, The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, inadvertent hint water spokesperson, Laura Bricker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Rebecca. Yeah, I, I can't get enough of that hint water. So hint, you can send me some more. Listen, hint, we're hint. not a, they're not a sponsor, but apparently... Wink, wink. I want some more water. I know, uh, I know who you can invoice. All right. Maybe by the time this podcast drops, we'll know who sent it. But at the time of this recording, we still don't. Yeah, Mercedes Benz, I'm looking at you. Yes. I'd love one of those snappy electric BMWs that like our friend Rob has. That's a fucking gorgeous oh. car. It's only like 65 grand. You can send me one of those. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, this is Thursday's program. Next week, we have a show coming out on Monday, allegedly. Allegedly? You mean? I'm just kidding. We have a yeah. show coming out on Monday. We do. What is the topic of that program? We're going to talk about the new season of Chameleon. Oh. It's Dr. Dante. The new season of Chameleon. There's a new season of Chameleon. I didn't know yeah. that. All right. Well, well, I'm the one paying attention to this shit. I'm looking forward to that. All right. I'm really interested in talking about the topic and getting right to it that we're going to be talking about this podcast. Is everyone cool with that? Can we just get right to it? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right. We're going to go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Leading off. You need an unlikely hero. You need an amazing scenario. And you need someone in distress. And this had all of that. It was fucking gnarly, man. Holy shit. It's like the biggest wave I've ever ridden in my life. A racially motivated attack on pedestrians was thwarted by the driver's passenger, a man he picked up hitchhiking. 
He went simply by Kai, and the colorful way he described the incident became a viral sensation. I look over, the guy's pinned there. Buddy gets out, and these two women are trying to help him. He runs up, and he grabs one of them, man. Like, a guy that big can snap a woman's neck like a pencil stick. So I fucking ran up behind him with a hatchet. Smash, smash, smash. Kai's quirky personality and unlikely story made him internet famous. He declined TV offers in favor of going back off the grid. But months later, the carefree drifter the world thought was so charming when he struck a criminal with a hatchet would be implicated in a murder. So we have this information on this internet phenom, Kai the Hatchet-Wilden Hitchhiker, as I think they named him out in California. And we're looking at this video of New Jersey Transit and saying to ourselves, is this possible? Is this the same guy out in California? The Netflix film, The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker, recounts Kai's rocky journey from meme to murderer, propelled by Hollywood and social media. Was the world so taken by the dude in the smash, smash, smash video, they overlooked his violent tendencies, which were in plain sight? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker. So if you want to remain spoiler-free, Go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Additional note, I am the host of Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, and I interviewed the director of this film, but that has not influenced my review. Now, Laura, this film has a snappy and like grabby name, right? Mm-hmm. But it's basically a tragedy, right? Oh, yeah. No, this was just sad and tragic on all levels to me. I mean, yeah, okay. It's kind of fun. like in the beginning, like you're like for five minutes, you're like, oh, this is kind of funny in a way. Like, but then, no, this is clearly a supremely mentally ill young man. And eventually somebody is murdered. And my takeaway from this is that this was really a example of how the culture of viral media And the way that people in the media can make something go viral can be really exploitative. And the role that the sports reporter played in this by uploading that unedited video to YouTube and then having it just snowball from there, you know, overnight, this guy becomes like a folk hero and everybody wants him. He's like marketable. You know, you've got everybody, Stephen Colbert, like, hey, it's a good thing. For once the hitchhiker had a machete or whatever it was, like he said, it. I can't be like funny like that. But, you know, it's like the woman from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So it's like you see just the culture of latching onto something like this. But when you take a step back, it's really sad. I mean, this guy is clearly got a lot of issues going on and it kind of lost its humor on me. Pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so Kevin, this, this film is not like the title belies the topic. Right. Right. Rather than it being like this crime horror tale with ominous music and like very salacious, it's much more nuanced than an interesting view on like a specific moment in time. Because you really have two things coming together that, you know, make this incident compelling and absurd all at the same time. First is you've got the movie trope about you don't pick up a hitchhiker because maybe he's got an axe. And here we have a hitchhiker who actually does and then uses it to, like, save the day. And he's got this total, like, surfer vibe, this odd character, quirky, totally consumable in the uh, the Internet age. So he's obviously going to become a viral hit. And 
that's the starting off point to like something that ought to be like a really cool tale, uh, double rainbows and shit like that. But it just ends up with this very tragic ending that I can't say could have been prevented, but it shouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah. So everyone has to remember, this was a very, very specific moment of the Internet and social media. Toby, you send a note that says, why is this video of Kai, quote, gold? This is the quote, like, the rent is too damn high moment. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. The rent is too damn high. Double rainbow. This is a very specific moment on the Internet where, like, YouTube was, like, coming into its own. People would take these weird little moments in the news and turn them into, like, bits, add music, like, make them crazy. Like, I used to uh, produce a public radio talk show where we had a segment where we would talk about and amplify these weird video viral trends. But, Toby, you also sent a note that is really astute about the nature of this particular video and who it is that they're focusing on in it. Kai himself, who he is. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So, you know, earlier in the week, you asked me about, you know, the white privilege on the mountain in the Emerald Triangle and stuff. This to me seems like a more (laughs) clear cut case of it in that I feel like if Kai had been black and he was attacking this white guy with a hatchet, on the street in broad daylight, like regardless of what else was going mm. on, I don't think it would have been like, look at this cute little dude, like how charming is he or whatever. I don't think the cops would have been like thanking him for his service and stuff. Like this guy, he's letting him walk away. Yeah. yeah. He assaulted in a way that they could easily have killed this guy. Was he doing it for quote unquote, the right reason? You know, sure. Right. He's, he's trying to keep this guy from assaulting people, but the reality is, is that he was applying force that could have been deadly. And it's just like, all right, well, thanks a lot for your help. See you later. And he just kind of wanders off. And not only that, he didn't becomes this, this star. And I think it's mostly because of sort of his exuberant on camera recreation of what he did. But again, I don't think that same opportunity would be afforded a non-white person who had done the same thing. It's just hard for me to envision that. It's also hard for me to envision it if it had been done even by a white person who didn't have a big mouth of big, straight, white, shiny teeth. I mean, Kai did not represent like the typical unhoused down and out or people think of as the quote down and out like unhoused character. I'm I'm using character in quote equal because obviously we're talking about real people, right? Kai was sort of like a fantasy character, right? So everybody was able to hold him up as like atypical. It was like, he's the guy who, when he goes into a store, he steals food, but then he gives it to other people. He can also play the guitar. He's really special. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. And it does not mean that he's also not mentally ill. It does not mean that he also didn't assault somebody. It does not mean that he also isn't potentially violent. And it's just, it is really amazing to me how much we value beyond race, just like the visage of somebody in these circumstances. Like it's truly incredible, like how much that means to us when we look at something like this. So Laura, I want to ask you about this reporter, sports reporter, Jessup Reisbeck. So We hear that he's typically a sports reporter. He's sent on this like beat assignment that he doesn't typically do. 
He gets this story. Kai actually talks to him and he gets this long segment of raw footage that he then uploads to YouTube and it goes viral. He then decides, takes it upon himself to take on the role of like becoming Kai's intermediary and agent, introducing him to people who then approach him, Jessup, to these potential deal makers who will make him money. What do you think of that in terms of like the ethics as a journalist in playing that role? No. Um, so that that was highly unusual. You know, I can think of situations where if I was a journalist, I might be a little bit of a gatekeeper. Like say I had somebody that I had known for a really long time and I wrote about them and I was the only one that was going to write a particular story about them. And it was somebody that I, you know, like a feature story, somebody I knew personally. I could see somebody reaching out and be like, hey, would you ask Rebecca if she might do a story with me too? But in this case, I feel like it was more about finding that place in this viral situation that was unfolding to be in the center of it and advance his own career. To me, that's very different than being sort of like, hey, I'll introduce you to this person because I know them, uh, as opposed to now I'm going to be sort of like the broker that's connecting him to people that need interviews. And again, I mean, this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, which is the story, the way that it plays out with Kai the Hitchhiker is just, this is somebody that's mentally ill, that's that's really acting out quite a bit. I mean, we hear a lot later about going in bars and like peeing on the floor and like doing all sorts of crazy stuff. But somebody that even though they're doing these very bold things is vulnerable because of their mental illness and is being, in my opinion, taken advantage of in the way that their story and their demeanor and their personality is being portrayed. So, I mean, it was it was a little sketchy the way that the reporter was doing that. I, I don't know if I was the only one who felt that way. So, Kevin, even if he's not going to get any money or like a career advancement out of it, what do you think of him playing that role? Yeah, that's not his place, obviously, to do, to do that. I mean, to pass along a message, fine. But certain, now he's like getting involved with Jimmy Kimmel's show and stuff like that. Perhaps one of the things that he could have done is maybe listened a little more closely to Kai's original interview, because there are clues there about who he actually is, besides being like very clownish and consumable on the Internet. The first is like where he opens up like with this, uh, you know, this greeting that everybody's worthy of love. Turn to the camera and he looked right in the camera. Before I say anything else, I want to say no matter what you've done, you deserve respect. Even if you make mistakes, you're lovable. And it doesn't matter your look, skills or age or size or anything. You're worthwhile. No one could ever take that away from you. So instead of it really being like this hippie greeting, it really it reminds me of someone who is a victim and has to say that out loud as an affirmation to themselves and to others, sort of belying that there's some trouble in his past about that. And it's kind of uh, like he's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. Right. Because there's some implication of a perhaps abuse, physical and or sexual as a child. Also, he's very unbothered about going smash, 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 because he starts telling about other times that he used violence and the smash, smash, smash stuff. It's like the kind of thing a surfer dude would say if he saw somebody do it from across the street. It's not the kind of thing that a person would should say or would say if they were the perpetrator who did that. You know, so while it's cute and it makes for a great soundbite and it's part of the thing that, you know, the people took and auto tuned and all that. It really and I think that's sort of a theme here. There were red flags in plain sight the whole time 
but we were just so enamored with him that we overlooked it. It reminds me of Khaleesi from uh, Game of Thrones. Why? Well, because, I mean, for that last season, she was like sending her dragons on people and burning them and eating them and stuff like that. And everybody's loved her for all those seasons and they refused to see. Oh, she was killing she people was breaking the whole fucking bad. time. Oh, you know? yeah. She was hanging people on crosses. Right. So when she's the villain in the last episode, oh, yeah. everybody's shocked. And she you was think, violent as you hell. You go back later and you're yeah. like, wait a minute, the whole time we were seeing this. Trauma, trauma, trauma. Because we wanted to still see her as a heroine. And I feel like that's a, there's a little bit of this going on. With Kyle the way through. Oh, he's he's funny. He's great. He saved somebody with a hatchet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, when Kevin mentioned that thing about, you know, everybody should be treated with love, even if they've done something. I kind of took that as something that somebody had told him that he had to think about mm-hmm. in order to keep him from trying to kick the shit out of everybody who didn't do something that he or be- become violent mm. about things wow. that he didn't like. Ooh. Because he does talk about kicking the shit out of other people and he does it later. I, anyway, I, I, that was my interpretation at the moment. Clearly somebody has told him this, whether it's about him or it's about other people. It's something that, you know, he, he feels like he needs to tell people. Yeah. By the way, it's something that we need to tell people. It's all about our business section. Oh yeah. There's a great transition. Yeah. Really smooth. Yeah. Speaking of making great cuts or chopping up audio, we're going to talk about Wait, like smash, 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 smash. Yeah. I didn't say it was Graceful. I just no, said it was I would very do a transition. Ungraceful. We have. Wait, wait. I, someone's going to make a reality show out of you, Kevin. Oh, shit, I you will. You keep doing this transition so well. Wait, okay. let I me introduce me, you to some people. Let me spin the pencil. You're, you're and find a out window if I into it. a different way of living. <laughs> no. Wait, let me, let, me, let me go take off my shirt and clean my pool while I tell you about this. That was weird. Ooh. Every fucking scene. Yeah. So uh, we have right now on Patreon the Crime Writers on After Show. Uh, we have Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast. Laura Bricker. Come on. Learn how to pronounce your fucking name, Kevin. Changing her name for me. Laura Bricker. <laughs> Lala. You can just call me Lala. Lala. <laughs> Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. We're talking about the book Trailed. And then also Married with Podcast, yeah. where Rebecca and I give out advice to people like Mandy. Yeah. She wants to know, should she pay for the cleaning lady's mistake? Oh, my God. Such a good question. And my answer is no, because they have insurance. No, that's true. Oh. Short answer, the question's actually much more complicated, and I gave Mandy lots of compliments for even asking the fucking question. Mm-hmm. Also out in Partners in Crime Media Land, uh, yesterday dropped the latest episode of These Are Their Stories. We're talking about Original Recipe Season 16. It's called Family Friend, and our guest is best-selling author Lee Bardugo. Great episode. Oh, Lee is... Our Patreon, Lee Bardugo? Yes. Lee Bardugo is hilarious. By the way, Kevin, she taped with us the night before her book drop. Yeah. And there was stuff behind her because she was packing for like a 20-city tour. Yeah. And then she gets to the airport and the FAA shut everything down. She had to get in a car, like drive to Arizona to make her book event. It was wild. Anyway. She's number one on the New York Times. It was wild. We got online with her. I'm like, Lee, I cannot believe you're doing this. She's like, oh my God, I would never not do this. Meanwhile, there's like suitcases open behind her with like clothes jammed in them because she was literally leaving the next day for like a 20s. I cannot believe she did it. She's so, but she is hysterically funny. Toby, even you should listen to this one. Even me? Yeah, because I know you don't watch Law & Order or Care About Tats, but you should listen to it. All right, so Kevin, does that wrap it up for the business section? Well, not quite. Because we have any Patreon saints of the week this week? Yeah, now ask me like a real big girl. Do we have any Patreon (laughs) patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Anthony Dunn and Stephanie Stewart. Bless you. We have Anthony and a Stephanie. 
Thanks, guys. Thanks for being our Patreon patron saints. Thanks for everyone who's not a saint, but who's a devil or whatever. And thanks for those of you who don't even support us on Patreon. And thanks for those of you who do. And thanks to everyone for suffering through the business section. I'm going to go ahead and play the music out right now, Kevin. What do you think? Do it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right, so Toby, we were just talking about sports reporter Jessup Reisbeck, who tried to broker some deals for Kai to get some TV money. Thoughts? He reminded me of like those Bug Bunny cartoons when he discovers like a treasure chest full of gold and then like his eyes turn into dollar signs and start going in and out of his head. Um, I mean, he could have had the money, the fame, but this dude that I introduced the world to went in the matter of three months from this amazing, heroic, beautiful person to wanted by authorities for murder. So it's a really fucked up story. It was troubling. And then he's like not very reflective about the whole thing, right? It's like almost everybody else who comes into contact with the guy is like, this guy is going to be really, really difficult to do anything with, right? He's just so all over the place. He's, he can't concentrate. He can't like not pee everywhere. He's like just guzzling alcohol. Like he's just completely out of control. And yet this guy, it's just like at the end, it's like, well, you know, this guy had really come to kind of like and care for and, you know, and then he murdered somebody and it's just, it's difficult. I'm like, dude, come on. It's not that he killed this guy because of you, but I mean, literally it's like 30 seconds of tape turned this guy Kai's life around, you know? I mean, it didn't turn it around, but it made him into this celebrity and this guy Jezeb was trying to make it work because he, you know, he decided I'm going to pit, going to throw in with this guy. I'm going to have a financial interest in this. And everybody else who worked with them, even the one guy who's most sympathetic, you know, I, and I, I can't remember what the guy was, but he's like sitting on a couch talking. The camera guy. Yeah. The camera guy is just kind of like, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, I kind of liked him, but. You know, it was going to be really hard to make anything work with them. And then the the woman who was carting them around was just like, it's like trying to handle a ferret or something. It's just like you, you can't turn your back on them for a second. Yeah. Well, I, I don't actually think Jessup had a financial interest. I, I don't think there was a, a avenue for him as. I think team. he thought he would think, want what he wanted. I think he wanted to go along with the ride. I think, I think he liked the attention. I think he liked sort of the whole 
zeitgeist of it and wanted to be part of that. But that's just me. I think Jessup thought like, this is what I would want if I had my moment in the sun. I would want to be rich. So that's that's what I assume other people would want, too. Yeah, could be. You know what I mean? Could be. Also, you know, if you think like if he if he like genuinely thought, hey, this is this is an unhoused guy. He's down on his luck. He th- probably thought if Kai got a whole bunch of money, his life would turn around and it would be better. And that's not what would have happened. Even if he could have maintained, you know, a gig reviewing movies on Jimmy Kimmel. But you know what Jessup wasn't doing? What? Jessup wasn't offering him like a place to stay in his own house or offering to give him his own money. or off- You know what I mean? Well, he didn't know if uh, Kai could swim and he had that swimming pool there, you well, know? Well, that's true. <laughs> Might have fallen in. But it is so funny to me that like this idea of help always has to come in like these very like abstract fucking strange ways when like the way to help people is just to help them. It's always very funny to me, like the Hollywood help machine is like, it's very, very strange to me. So, Laura, tell me what you think about the fact that there are two dueling narratives about Kai's childhood. So we learned that Kai's real name is Caleb. Uh, He claims that he was horribly abused when he was growing up. And then we get two versions of that from his cousin, who seems to corroborate some of the story, Uh, doesn't have all the details, but corroborate some of it. But then his mother, it's like, I know this is not her first time talking to the media. She describes a narrative that doesn't necessarily contradict everything that Kai slash Caleb says. But it's her point of view. And, you know, basically is like very difficult childhood, difficult to control and had to be, you know, sent to some, you know, an institutional environment. And I kind of can imagine how that could look from the outside as well. What do you think of these two competing narratives? I'm glad we had them there. I wish we had more of this background type of information, because to me, what's interesting about Kai's case is like the system and how it worked in his case or didn't work and how he got to be the homeless axe wielding hitchhiker and and what really happened and what really didn't happen, because, you know, his version was was quite different. The cousin says the mother wouldn't let him play outside with the other kids locked him in the room with blankets covering the windows, talks about we could still hear the other kids playing outside. And, you know, Kai's mother's like, I had to do that because he got up early and would like get in trouble and hurt himself. And I had to protect him. And, you know, you hear he he's allegedly tries to start a fire in their house and goes into foster care at the age of 13. So there was clearly something going on in that house for him to go into foster care because you can't just say, oh yeah, I don't want my kid. He's going, you know, usually that results after like a DCYF type of investigation. But I thought the cousin was a really interesting voice to have there because it was somebody that knew him pre-Kai during the Caleb phase of his life. And I have to, you know, give the mother credit for taking part in the interview. And, and when she talks, I mean, honestly, she doesn't sound like, totally wacky. I mean, she just sounds like she's maybe trying to not give the full extent of what really happened and perhaps what her role and her home situation was that led this kid to behave, you know, because, but she talks about how, you know, he had ADHD and everything like that. And I'm like, well, I didn't ever lock him in a room, like lock him in a room. Um, I had to put uh, uh, for a short period of time, uh, uh, the ability uh, stop the ability of him getting out of the room too early because he was a free spirit and would get up earlier than I did and get into stuff that could harm him. I wanted to know sort of what happened in the middle piece between what we're hearing from them 
And then like where he is when he's out there, like smash, smash, smash. Like what happened in the middle to get him to that point? Do you know what I mean? That that's the part that was missing. Here's what I'm thinking. Obviously, I'm not a doctor and I cannot like diagnose somebody who I've never met and who is in prison and who I never will meet. It is very clear to me that what's going on with Caleb slash Kai is complex, chemical, medical, and not just, hey, a thing happened to me and this is how I am. There's a complex series of things going on with Kai. I think it is reasonable to believe this complex series of things going on with Kai have been happening for a long time. They probably came up when he was a teenager because that's when things onset. His mom, it's a very good chance, didn't know how to deal with it. It's a very good chance there's a complex set of factors going on at home as well. All of these stories could be true at the same time. And the point of view of the stories, in my opinion, what the mother is saying could be 100% true. And what the cousin is saying could be 100% true. And it could just be a question of point of view. When you're dealing with somebody who has like, Uh, an extraordinary mental illness and you don't know what you're dealing with and there's a lot going on. I'm just saying we don't know and I don't think we can make a judgment about this based on two interviews. I know that Kevin, like she's an unreliable, they're both unreliable. I mean, everyone in this is an unreliable narrator for this story, right? Yeah, just about, I I don't, in my opinion, I don't believe what she's saying. Why not? She just doesn't come across as credible with her her excuse about just sort of the way she said it. It's not based on anything other than just my gut. So certainly not anything you could hang a hat on. But I just didn't I just didn't find the way she explained that very coherent. Hmm. I just think it's really complicated. And I just don't think we can know. You know what I mean? And I don't think anyone expects their kid is going to grow up and, and be in a circumstance like Kai slash Caleb is in. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what else are you going to say? I don't know. I, I just I just don't think it's knowable. I don't know. It's just it's 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 a complicated part of the documentary. Let's talk about the Hollywood reality TV complex for a second. Um, you stole that line from me. I did. You did. Oh, sorry. Maybe I saw it and it incepted itself uh, in your notes. Uh, Toby, what do you think about this machine in Hollywood that makes people into instant celebrities based on a moment? Uh, it's weird. I was actually on a plane flying from Boston to Huntsville, Alabama, and I guess it must have been around this time. I don't I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was a guy who was on a Huntsville, Alabama news station when there had been a, a sexual assault or, or a couple of sexual assaults that were break-ins, and he's being interviewed about this, and he just goes off and he's like, lock up your mothers, lock up your kids, lock up your, your husband. Oh, yeah. oh I remember that. So that, yeah, remember yeah that. okay. So I was, I was on the plane with this guy. I didn't recognize him, but the guy who's sitting next to him did. So I got to listen to them talk cause they were right in front of me. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, he had an agent, he had a Hollywood agent. They were shopping around for different reality shows or to get them on programs or, or whatever. So, you know, as soon as we land or whatever, I was like, I got to figure out who this guy is. And I saw that thing. I'm like, seriously, this clip is like, and suddenly this guy is like getting meetings with all these people. So it is kind of weird. It's like, like, again, with Kai, like sort of the money part of his interview is that smash, smash, smash thing. Right. So you're turning what's really a few seconds of sort of viral 
personality and trying to turn that into some kind of career or some kind of show or some kind of something. And I, I'm sure there must be examples of when it's worked, but I just, it doesn't seem like there's anybody on this. There wasn't anybody who was just like, this is not going to happen. Like they talk about being worried about having him go on Jimmy Kimmel, but nobody stops him. Right. And he yep. goes on, even though it's kind of weird, they ask him back the next day to do something that he's absolutely incapable of doing. So it is sort of like, where are the breaks in this? You know, where, where do you stop people? And, and obviously there is, is somewhere because Kai didn't get a reality show or whatever. I mean, there's a point at which people are like, yeah, this is not going to work. I assume it's when money has to be put down because I think Jimmy Kimmel's like, well, you know, I spent a few hundred dollars on a surfboard. It's not the end of the world. Um, <laughs> but when people are like, you know, we've actually got to develop a show around this, like anybody who'd been around him for like three or four minutes was going to be like, yeah, I think it'd be great to have this guy like be the personality behind a show. We're going to throw a lot of money on and have on a like even a cable channel. So uh, it's weird. Yeah. You know, I think that they probably saw the potential for the, his personality beyond the catchphrase. Those are like lottery tickets that they, they're going to throw down a small amount of money on the latest flash in the pan. And then maybe something comes of it, or maybe they just say, here's your money. And, they go on their ways. I think a lot of those people are used to dealing with different kinds of high maintenance, problematic personalities. And they're like, this is just another flavor of that, right? It, sh it should have been clearer sooner. This wasn't just somebody who was a Hollywood brat. But like, we, you know, first thing they do, we, we, they bring him to, to the Roosevelt Hotel as he pisses on Julio Iglesias, his star on the Walk of Fame. I mean, Julio Iglesias is a piece of shit. He's no, I'm a just piece kidding. Of, uh, yeah. Totally kidding. That was just a joke. Sorry. He's deserved it. No, right. it's a joke. Then, but he goes right to the, the mini bar in the hotel and he just starts drinking, drinking, drinking. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's, again, it should be another red flag. If he could have, you know, pulled it together, he might have been, a, you know, an interesting so, character like Guillermo on, uh, on Jimmy Kimmel. But, but there was just... No way that was going to happen. Lisa comes back around the corner, and I could see her, and she looks at me, and she stops. Kai has his pants pulled down. And he's urinating on Julio Iglesias' star directly in front of this hotel. And I was like, I told you to keep an eye on him. And her face was like, I was just with this guy for 26 hours. You couldn't do five minutes? Think about this. Think about how gross this is, okay? Here's somebody who's, like, cute charming, has a quirky way of talking and who can play the guitar, right? Who did like a quasi heroic thing on the streets. What makes him interesting to these Hollywood types is the fact that he is unhoused. Yes. Oh, right. How yeah. Gross is that? Let's make a reality show based on somebody who doesn't have a home. And what is the show going to be? Let's follow him around. Let's like put a camera under a bridge and make characters out of all of the homeless people. It's like disgusting. If you think about what they were going to do. It's like cops. I mean, it's the same thing with cops. Yes. It's like, yeah, check out these losers. Yes, It's gross. So there was a really, really great reality show. And I'll just call it great. The one with Paris Hilton and um, Simple Life. Yes. It was actually really, really good where they put them like in these situations. It was the reverse Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, is where what they the like put that, yeah. and it was very funny. And it was like they'd put Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie, and they like have them work like in a McDonald's or whatever. And they, they worked like, on a farm. Had never yeah. had like, and they were just like 
okay. And they, they tried, you know, whatever. And it was, and they were funny, like legitimately funny. And that was the very beginning of reality TV. What were they going to do with him? What are they going to do? Like put him in a suit and like, it's like, no, he cannot do anything because he's ill. But even if they were just going to like film him as an, as an environs, they would exploit other unhoused people. It was disgusting. Like anything they could have done with him would have been disgusting. Even if he was completely able to do it, it would have been disgusting. I think they didn't think it all the way through to the end. That's true. Or no, they, did, they were they just, thinking yeah. this is the current like thing that's the it thing. And how are we going to make money off of it? Or how are we going to like make this stick? Yeah. Well, he's the funny home free guy. And so we can do something and make fun of people who don't have homes. And I know. Are mentally ill. Yeah, I know. We haven't even talked about the murder, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's also very unclear, like what happened there. Right. Like. Was the fact that he had this internet fame, Kevin, you think, did it intersect at all with I, this murder? I don't know. I mean, I, I, my guess is not. I mean, if you're going to say, had he not been on, you know, had not been an internet sensation, would that murder not have happened? I don't think so. I mean, he hitchhiked across the country, maybe it went a little easier because people spotted him, but he was a hitchhiker. And even though he had a hatchet, people were still picking him up. It doesn't seem like the attorney was, a, was an older man that he... You know, there wasn't any indication that he recognized him as some internet no, he celebrity. Was just cruising. But he, he was just kind of cruising, yeah. Huh. And good for him. He, yeah, he didn't I mean, expect to get murdered. Did not expect. To get, <laughs> no one expects he was to get cruising murdered. Cruising in Times Square, picked up a guy. He had a nice dinner. <laughs> had a couple of nice dinners. Invited him yeah. home and got murdered. But his decor was so outdated. Yeah, I had some listen, questions. He was about a the widower. Decor. When your wife dies, listen, you do not know what to do. I say this to Kevin all the time. If I died, you would not know how to decorate yeah, the house. That's true. I'd say the only variable that, that you know, plays into it from the internet fame is that Kai had a place to go the next morning because- oh, that was bizarre. Well, he there was somebody that, you know, was a fan. Number one fan. Yeah. Number one fan. <laughs> so he had a place to go, but then he also chose to come back and that was- Half of the problem. Well, it's a lot of the problem. But but half of the defense, problem with yeah. his defense. Yeah. You know, you're going to say it's self-defense, but we don't know, and we don't yeah. know even if it was consensual whether or not he was triggered. We do not know. We don't know, right? No, but we know he has violent tendencies, and that we are all overlooking it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.
All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker on Netflix? What do you think, Laura Bricker? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Hatchet-Wielding Hitchhiker? Yeah, I didn't love this. Um, I'm going to go with thumbs down on this just because, I mean, I watched it twice again because I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch it a second time. And I just felt like there honestly wasn't enough here to make an entire documentary. Not that I want to sound blasé about this lawyer in New Jersey being murdered or anything. But I think what this documentary missed was kind of some bigger sort of cultural questions about, you know, I think that would have been more interesting than the way where they, I mean, they had a lot of footage, they recounted everything, but to me, just the context in which it was recounted wasn't really that interesting. And I felt really sorry for him. Like I felt like this guy is mentally ill. He's kind of had a shit, run of luck here. And now he's in jail for 57 years. And I mean, it was short. So, I mean, if you want to watch it, it's an hour and a half, but for me, it just didn't do it. So thumbs down. What do you think, Toby Ball? Yeah, I, I agree with Lara. And I know sometimes it drives people crazy when I'm like, I think there was a good documentary to be made here, but they just didn't do it. Like, I think the questions that are interesting, which is more stuff that we talked about, you know, it's kind of hinted at and it's kind of baked into the story, but it doesn't seem to be a main focus. Instead, it's sort of a chronological telling of this story with this like weird turn that you probably will see coming based on the fact that they made a movie about it. So yeah, you know, I, it's tough. I, I, I guess I'll give it a, th- a thumbs down. It's not like a terrible thumbs down, but yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's competently made and stuff, but it's just not, it doesn't seem very imaginative in the way it's kind of addresses the stuff that they have there. And I, I just kind of feel like you're left to kind of fill in a lot of the blanks as to what could be interesting about this. Um, because in and of itself, it's like a three beat story and that's not a whole lot of beats for 90 minutes. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going to go thumbs up. I actually liked it. I thought that it was an interesting take on a story that maybe we missed, but I appreciate they didn't like, there was no foreshadowing that they just kind of played this chronologically so that we could go from the joy of this quirky character and his exploits and all the good things that start happening to him to the tragedy at the end. I thought that it also touched on, you know, the issues there uh, with the entertainment industrial complex and just the idea, you know, that we are sometimes willing to look past red flags in order to stay entertained. So I'm thumbs up. Yeah, I'm a thumbs up too. I think this is one of those things where like it was tempting for me to like, I mean, I hate all the people and I hate everything that happened. And I don't want to confuse that with like, do I hate the media like, I enjoyed watching this. I was fascinated by the story. I was disgusted by so many things that happened in the story. But I, like, really liked watching this story. I mean, I like, when I was entertained by the story and I was riveted by the story and I was, like, my stomach turned again and again and again and again. But, like, I can't say I wasn't drawn through it the entire time. You know what I mean? I hate Jessa Breisbeck so much after watching this. And I know that might not be the point of it. I don't think the, you know, the the filmmaker who I interviewed does not agree. You know, I don't think that's her take. She doesn't see him as like as much of a villain as I see him as. Um, Because I did ask her that question very directly. And she's like, 
no, 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 he's just fine. I'm like, no, I mean, I hate him. <laughs> That's just, as a viewer. Uh, the Hollywood industrial complex part of it, like, is interesting to me because those people are all very well-meaning. Like, that's just their jobs. But Kai slash Caleb, like, he's a tragic, tragic figure. And obviously there's a murder victim here whose story is just sort of like, you know, it's sort of the, sort of the back half of it, you know, I don't know. I found this very compelling, even though I was very stomach turned and kind of grossed out by many of the things that happened in it. So I can't give it a thumbs down. I liked watching it. So thumbs up for me for the hatchet wielding hitchhiker, even though it has definitely the weirdest name of anything we have ever covered on this podcast. (laughs) The name is fantastic. I give the name a thumbs up. Except (laughs) families who kill the donut shop murders. (laughs) This might that be Wormwood was a little crazy. No, yeah. I think this is the second after families who kill the donut shop murders. This is the second weirdest name. What about manslaughter? I'm sorry, families who kill the donut shop murders. This is number two. The hatchet wielding hitchhikers manslaughter is number three. Okay, okay, it's been determined. All right, that's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? <laughs> We have something so unique this week. I can't even wait to share it. More unique than the armadillo? Oh, yes. And it is your fault, Rebecca, that this is the cat of the week this week. More unique than having somebody's grandmother as the pet of the week? Is it a plant? Yes. Yes. The plant of the week? (laughs) It's the plant of the week from Tanya, who noticed that Rebecca was gifted a fiddle leaf fig. Hell yeah, I was. And. Tanya came here to nominate hers for Pet of the Week. When I got her three years ago, she was a small propagation with two leaves. Now she's stuck in this location in this room because she's too tall and heavy to move. Did you see Tanya's fig that's only two years old? I did put her on wheels so I could at least rotate her every week after watering. Have fun with your fiddle leaf fig, Rebecca. If you care for it properly, it might outlive you. My fig is already (laughs) like, what, four feet tall? It oh might, my God. Well, it's like maybe that's yeah, it's, it's pretty tall and it's pretty wide. And I put it on wheels as well, but it's up on a stand on wheels. If oh. hers grew in two years from like three leaves to what it's like now, Kevin, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to move. Yes. <laughs> if I, if I'm going to look this up to find out if these are toxic to cats or if they're safe for cats, because I want one for my, um, my sunroom where I'm going to be Just putting some plants. Just teach your cats to not eat your fucking plants, Laura. How you can't is- control, you can't control cats, Rebecca. Cats are just like, fuck you. That's why you I should feel have dogs. badly for all the people that submitted photos of their dogs and cats this week. And I was like, <laughs> no, this greenery, we're going to go with the uh, flora instead Kevin, of We make two podcasts a week every week. Those people still have a chance. It's not like we pick one and throw the rest away, right? I found this crumpled up piece of paper that I'd like to nominate as, as part of the week. It's not like a like mega millions where like you pick your numbers and then it goes in the trash. Yeah. Like It's fine. All right. All right. Well, we need to go. That is finally it. Laura Bricker, if folks want to send you their actual breathing things to be pet of the week next time, how can they find you on social media? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And of course, you can also email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com or put them in our Facebook discussion group. Toby Ball, folks want to reach out to you and say, hey, Tobes, how can they find you on social media? What they can do is reach out to me and talk about how I was right that Carol Baskin did not murder her ex-husband because he's been <gasps> found alive. He's alive. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. He's alive? Yeah, well, they found According to Carol, them. he is. He is. That's right. That's right. So, Toby, how can they? At Toby Ball and H. By the way, Laura Bricker just texted me a dirty photo. What um, about you, Kevin Flynn? 
I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me anywhere on social media, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter or anywhere at Crime Writers On. And please join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Show me that dirty photo. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way. Just go there and hit join the group. We'll probably let you in if you're not a jerk. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. They will even show you Laura Bricker's dirty photos now and then. Kevin, show me that dirty photo. I want to see it. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is the love of my life, Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where we also urinate on Julio Iglesias' star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Take that! Because he's a dick! No, I'm just kidding. He's fine. I don't know anything about Julio Iglesias, but he seems fine. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you... Later. Later. And on this episode, an unlikely hero becomes an internet sensation. I feel like I have to burp. And Kevin has to yawn. Excuse me. Did everyone miss? Wow, what a burp. Thank you. Little lady burp. It was, an, it was, it was actually just a burp. I mean, lady, the burp is not gendered, Kevin. Jesus, way to make it Oh, weird. I don't know about that. Did everyone... A lady toot? <laughs> <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.